Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Ramble On with myself, Marcus, and producer Charlie. Charlie, lovely to have you with me as always. Hello, mate. Nice to be here. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you may have noticed that Bayern Munich achieved a treble this season. The Bundesliga, the DFB Pokal, or Pokal, depending on uh, how you uh, mispronounce it, and the UEFA Champions League. Uh, They did a treble in 2012-13, that's right. Uh, And they've achieved another treble so soon after their first one. See, trebles are a rare thing. We spoke uh, before, Charlie, about PSV Eindhoven's treble-winning season in 1987 to 1988. Uh, Celtic did it, of course. This is in UEFA men's football, we should say. Uh, Celtic did this in in the 60s, Ajax in the 70s, PSV in the 80s, Manchester United in the 90s. So it was averaging once a decade. Barcelona did it in 2008-9 under Guardiola. Uh, an incredible season, of course. And then Inter did a treble one year later, which was quite incredible. Now, you could argue that Inter's treble was achieved in 2000. Well, it was achieved in 2010. So, therefore, you could say it was a treble that belonged to a different decade to Barcelona's the year before. So, let's go with that. So, you have, you've had a treble once a decade since the 60s until you get to the 2010s, if you like. Or, or the teens, whatever you want to call them. So Inter, Barcelona and Bayern have all done a treble in, in that decade. Now, Bayern's treble that they've just done, again, is probably in the 2020s because it was achieved. They, they got over the line in the 2020s, even though half of it was was in the last decade. So we'll put that forward. So you, you, you've had a few uh, uh, trebles uh, in, in that decade, in, in the teens or the 2010s. But Barcelona uh, getting their treble uh, in that decade is what we're going to focus on today, the 2014-15 season. Uh, it was an, an incredible season for old Barcelona, one of the most successful seasons in the club's history. And it's the season they became the first European side to achieve two treble-winning seasons, having done so, of course, previously in 2008-9. So, so quick-fire trebles, you could say. And again, we're quite used to this, but they're still quite a rare thing, despite them having you know, been achieved in the last uh, sort of handful of years, as I've, as I've said. But this season was, was, was the last sort of great Barcelona season, really, that I'm sure all the fans would be happy about, all the stuff that going on with Messi and, and all the disarray at the club. This season that was was achieved five years ago, I think, is still quite fresh in the memory, and so is Guardiola's treble-winning season as well. And we often say that 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 period is the most successful in the club's history. It's not the norm, yeah. and and so in Barcelona they just win a league title or something. People say oh, it's a bit disappointing; they haven't won the Champions League. I, mean, I understand that, but. It's still, I think, the hangover from those seasons. So, Charlie, we're going to have a bit of a deeper dive into that 2014-15 season. And when I think, when I say that season with Barcelona and their treble-winning side, what immediately comes to mind for you? Um, to me, it's the only good, well, one of two good examples of football fans and general uh, people talking about the game to use an acronym to good effect because you had MSN. Yeah. Uh, for the Messi Suarez Neymar up front, which to me is uh-huh. amusing because it reminds me of MSN Messenger, where you know, of course, some horrible putrid things would probably have been said in my early childhood. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But and, some some rather wholesome, nice conversations too, no doubt. Yeah, mm, yeah maybe, hopefully, I'm mm. sure my mum's got them saved somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, MSN and SAS being the other one for Shearer and uh, Sutton. But yeah, that's Roy the, and Collymore. 
<laughs> yeah, well, the the latter means I'll I'll just probably ignore that one. Uh, Scum. <laughs> carry on. <laughs> but yeah, that is what immediately springs to mind. I mean, you're exactly you're right to touch on um, you know, this sort of period of Barcelona history because to me, this is being obviously a bit younger. This is this is Barcelona. I view them as probably in the top, you know, consistently in the top three or four teams in world football, mm. which they have been over the last sort of fifteen years. But actually, as you say, this is quite an un- it's a largely unprecedented time in their history. Like they're not as successful and as sort of gloried a club as I would have thirst for. And if you'd taken this as your as your sample size, but I mean, this season was just post Guardiola. You say, as you said, they kind of have the they have the rebuilding job, and will come onto players. They kind of transition out and bring in a few newer faces, and it's just imperious from beginning to end, really. Yeah, I mean Barcelona. Obviously, they've won the league a lot in their history uh, and so on. But but to to that extent, it's mm. it's been good. I mean, they, they, you know, the the team we know as Barcelona, of course, it was Cruyff's dream team in in the early nineties. That, that really, when they they took off, they've won the league twenty six times. Real Madrid have won it thirty four. Mm. You know, and, and that's despite recent successes of Barcelona, who in terms of the league have have dominated quite a lot. I know Real Madrid won it uh, in this season, but. Um, but you know, so it, these two seasons that we, we've mentioned are, are so important uh, for the fans and for the club. I mean, the, the previous season, 2013-14, to the one we're focusing on today, they finished second in the league, runners-up in the Copa del Rey, and reached the quarterfinal of the Champions League, being knocked out by Atletico Madrid. Now that is a bit of a disappointing season. If, you, if they don't win a trophy, that is disappointing. I think that's fair to say. If they don't win the yeah. league. That's a bit disappointing. Uh, and quarterfinals of the Champions League, again, they, they, they want to go further. You can't have it every year, of course, but that, that doesn't mean to say expectations aren't, aren't very, very high. But there was a little bit of change going on in the side. Victor Valdez, who'd been in goal for, for many years uh, and had been a stalwart of that side, he, he left. His time at the club had come to an end. Carlos Piol, what a player he was. He retired. Uh, Cesc Fabregas, who had gone back to Barcelona, had moderate success. Well, I mean, he had a lot of success in terms of winning trophies, but in terms of playing and fitting into the side, had moderate success. He was sold to Chelsea. Alexis Sanchez, who had been there for a little bit, was sold to Arsenal. So, so some some big players and some big names had 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 gone. Uh, they brought in two goalkeepers, Mark Andre Tostegen and Claudio Bravo. And this is an interesting one because you think to yourself, oh, okay, so Tostegen's their their number one. Um, you know he, uh, uh, he he's of course the, the goalkeeper at the moment uh, uh, and so on. But if you look at appearances that season, uh, total appearances uh, for for um, Barcelona, marked to Stegen twenty one appearances. He was the cup goalkeeper. It's a really odd situation and scenario. He played eight games in the Copa del Rey and thirteen in the Champions League. Twenty one appearances. Now, obviously, was very successful because he was the goalkeeper that was a part of the side that won both of those trophies. Whereas Claudio Bravo appeared 37 times because he was the league goalkeeper. And he obviously did very well because they won the league. So it's a really odd situation. I mean, I know sometimes at Real Madrid, when Mourinho came along, he was undermining Ica Casillas and he put, um, was it Diego Lopez? I think the keeper's name was, I forget now. Who, who was in goal. But to have a goalkeeper who's like designated to the cup games and one designated to the league games, but it worked a treat uh, because of, of the success quite clearly. Uh, Ivan Rakitic signed from Sevilla 
And Luis Suarez signed from Liverpool for around seventy-five million pounds. Turned out to be quite a good signing, Charlie. Yeah, I reckon so. I mean, I, mm. I completely forgot that this was around the time that um, uh, he was suspended after the. Um, was it when he bit Chiellini at the World Cup? That's right. Well, it was summer two thousand fourteen. Yeah, and he mm. and he'd had that four month suspension imposed, but then they right. kind of dial well not dial back on it, but they said he could train. But yeah, yeah. that, that I'd, I'd completely forgotten that happened. I know, it's mad, isn't it? It's fair to say he hit the ground running. You know, Luis Suarez is Barcelona's third highest goal scorer in their history. That is amazing. Isn't it just? He's probably not Ronald Koeman first, admittedly, but still amazing. No. Well, Ronald Koeman doesn't give a damn about that kind of thing. Nah, um, see you later, Louis. So, so all the changes that were going on there, some big players coming in and out. Luis Enrique was named head coach in, in that summer of 2014. Gerardo Martino had left the club. And, and Luis Enrique... My goodness, you know, what, what, a, what a time he had there. I mean, he'd managed Barcelona B for a few years, Roma for one unsuccessful season, and Celta Vigo for a season finishing ninth. Then he went to manage Barcelona. And this is the funny thing about Barcelona. They're a demanding club. Not everybody succeeds there, of course. But sometimes when you are a club man, it doesn't matter what you've done previously in terms of trophies and achievements. You can go in there and you can hit the ground running. Frank Rijkaard is one example that I often uh, uh, draw on. Luis Enrique is also a very, very good example. And Pep Guardiola is an example, though it may be perhaps a little bit of a stretch because he's gone on to do great things, of course, you know, winning leagues at Bayern and Man City. Uh, but Guardiola was quite untested before he took the job. But I just think if, if your face fits, which I think it will do for Koeman, Although there are there's some other distractions and it's a bigger job, you could argue. I, I think uh, I, I, I think it's a, it's an interesting one. But Luis Enrique convinced Xavi to stay on for one more season during that summer of 2014, which is one of the probably the one, one of the most important things he ever did, because 35 year old Xavi would be a treble winner by the end of that campaign. Isn't that incredible? It is. He was mad. ready to. He was ready to go. He's stay another on one, one more year. He's another one of the. Um... Now you say that, yeah, he's another one of the sort of the club men who, you know, there was rumours that he was going to take over before um, or when, you know, Setien was under pressure earlier this season. Yeah. And they thought, oh, we get Xavi. Right, yeah. well, he's, well, he's, really, mm. he's not really coached before, is he? Like, he's not got any experience. Yeah. But as you said, as a face fits. And I mean, yeah. he's had an absolute touch there playing him, <laughs> get, convincing him to play one more season. Well, it's just remarkable. I mean, and, and, and he played 44 uh, games that season, 44 appearances. So it's not like he was a bit part player and he no. came up. He played more than uh, Iniesta, for crying out loud. A couple more appearances, you know, same as as uh, as, as PK at the back. So uh, absolutely remarkable uh, that, that he stayed on and uh, proved that he had very much still got it. Of course, the main man, Messi, uh, was was just ridiculous. Fifty. He played the most games out of that whole out of everybody in the squad. Fifty-seven games he played that season. Fifty-seven games, and that was off the back of a of, of a World Cup. I mean, okay, Argentina at the World Cup, but um, they did reach the final though in in the in the in the summer of two thousand and fourteen. So you know he'd had a long season previously. They get all the way to the final and have the disappointment in 2014. And then he goes back to Barcelona and plays 57 matches, for crying out loud. Scoring 58 goals. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Started 37 <laughs> league games out of 38 as well. It's mad. 
yeah, I mean that's just it's it's different gravy. It really <laughs> is, and I think I think it's one of his finest seasons. Of course, it is because it was one of the club's finest seasons, and the the two tended to to go hand in hand. Uh, but his partnership with Suarez and, and and Neymar up front was absolutely incredible. Neymar himself, fifty one games he played that season with thirty nine goals. You know, when when you see stats like that and that front three, it's such a shame. Uh, in terms of just for the purists that it got broken up. I know Neymar wanted to go and so on, but everybody who's not a Real Madrid fan was a bit, or a PSG fan, was slightly sad. Did you remember feeling that, Charlie, at the time, thinking, oh, come on, stay around? Yeah, it is weird. I I always think with with sort of established um, striking pairs where like teams, you know, sorry, a group of players go on to score a load of goals in one season, Mm. you've you tend to see a longevity either before or after that season because they've either built up to it and they've kind of, you know, they've sort of worked their way into the squad and all that. Or they they score a load of goals one season. They think, oh, Christ, we're having a lovely time here. And then they carry on. But it seemed to be sort of, I guess, because it wasn't the on-the-pitch stuff that made Neymar leave. He just wanted to be the kind of the, the big dog, the main, the main guy in yeah. the spotlight. But yeah, it's, it's yeah, so yeah. gutting, especially like... I mean, Neymar PSG gets derided, I think, too much. He's still, a, I still think he's the third best footballer in the world comfortably. But mm-hmm. I think maybe I, I don't know what I don't know how you think about it. But maybe do you think he gets derided because people say to him, "Well, why did you leave Barcelona? Look what you were doing. Look what you did in this season. Stay here, mm-hmm. and you could, you know, you could cement yourself alongside Messi as like a legend of the club." And he's just, you know, he's not done that. Do you think that's probably doesn't that probably doesn't help yeah. him? It's not like he. He went there and he did all right, and then he went to PSG and he's been much better. He he left an amazing yeah. thing. Yeah, well, the people accused him of thinking you've you, you're more interested in your in personal uh, accolades rather mm. than team ones. He wanted to win the Ballon d'Or, and when he's playing with Messi, it's, it's probably not going to happen. But the fact is, if he if he'd have stayed at Barcelona, they would have won more. They would have dominated. They would have picked up where Guardiola's Barcelona had left off a couple of seasons previously. And he would have, t- like, if Messi now is, is coming, you know, I don't know if Messi would have wanted to go, but if if, if Messi had thought, you know, actually, um, I, I, I'm winding down a little bit or, you know, whatever, Neymar would have been, he, he'd have been the main man. I mean, Neymar's five years younger than Messi. So there was always going to be a period where Messi would probably leave uh, or retire and then Neymar, you know, would be it. But... As long as Messi's around, you'll always be second best. See, and I think that's uh, the problem that he probably had. He didn't. He didn't want to do that. Um, but he was there this season, and my goodness, what a season it was! Uh, I, I tell you something. There was a little lad who played two games and scored one goal for Barcelona. Who goes by the name of Adama Traore. Yeah, love. He was lovely involved. To see. Lovely to see. Well, Barcelona that season, a few more stats for you, ladies and gentlemen, just to, to back up the point. Not that it really needs backing up, of course. The facts are, are already there. But they finished two points above Real Madrid at the top of the league that season with 94 points from the customary 38 games, of course. So it was a tight one in the league. It was a good, it was a good league uh, title race. But they scored in those 38 matches. Barcelona scored 110 goals and only conceded 21 a plus 89 goal difference. That is different gravy granules, you've got to say. It's, just, it's absolutely phenomenal. Like when, you, when you have something like that, like how on earth do you stop them and how on earth do you get past them? And this is, this is why like when 
you know, with with old Neymar leaving and so on, um, you, you know, you think to yourself, oh, come on, like this was the side that he was a part of. Um, it was it was a great shame. I know he didn't leave Barcelona until you know a couple of years later and so on. Uh, but that those kind of stats are absolutely incredible in the, in La Liga. Um, so yes, they 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 actually lost the first Clasico of the season to Madrid three one, although they beat them two one at the new Camp later on. So it was just as well they they you know they needed to finish uh, points above Real Madrid because in the head to head they would have they would have lost. They played Athletic Bilbao in the Copa del Rey final and just brushed them aside. Like they were three, they won three one, but they were three 0 up for for a while. Uh, like fairly sort of you know it was it was just so comprehensive this side. When 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 they played teams, um, it was interesting though in the Champions League in the first round of the Champions League they were beaten three two by Paris Saint Germain in the group stages. Both teams went through and they would face each other again in the quarters after Barcelona had dispatched Manchester City in the round of sixteen. But when they played PSG, when it really really mattered, they beat them five one on aggregate to put the kind of the upstarts from Paris into uh, in their place. This was obviously well before Neymar had had his head turned. And then the semi final, Charlie, you will remember this one where they played Pep Guardiola's Bayern Munich. Uh, they beat them five three on aggregate. But the, the the first leg was was a three nil win at the New Camp. When Pep pissed around with the formation, going three at the back, man to man, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. What? I can't call him an idiot. He's like the world's best football manager, but equally, what? What on <laughs> earth is he doing there? Yeah, well, that was that was this. Messi scored a goal where he kind of just sort of danced through and and dinked it in. And I think was it Jerome Boateng yeah, who just sort of ass. folds. Yeah. yeah, he just that's one of the finest defenders in the world who just won the World Cup. And Messi does that to him, you know, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, and then in the final, they played Juventus with, uh, you know, I mean, Juventus had a good side then. Uh, well, as they, as they tend to do it, I shouldn't sound so surprised. You know, guess what, Charlie? You've had a good team. Um, yeah, they had uh, Buffon in goal. Poor old Buffon. He's never going to get his hands on the trophy. Oh, no. uh, but they had a back four of Evra, Bonucci, Barzagli and Lichsteiner. Pirlo in front of the back four. Pogba, Vidal, Marquisio in the midfield with Morata and Tevez up front. So good. not too shabby. Yeah, that is pretty good. Ex- yeah, exactly, yeah. Because so, they, so they were no... That was when... Uh... It was it. Both teams were going for the the treble because Juve won their their league and cup double as well. Yeah, so that must have been among the one of the few times. But yeah, Buffon yeah. does everything right, and then I know loses the big one again. But when you look at the Barcelona side who started that final, to Stegen and go obviously Alves right back, PK Mascherano centre half, Jordi Alba left back, Rakitic, Busquets, and Iniesta in the midfield, and then that front three: Messi, Suarez, and Neymar. I mean, you just. You know, Xavi didn't even start the final. He came on with about 12 minutes to go. Uh, Pedro also had a little cameo as well. Je- Jeremy Matthew, as well, who we'd see years later at Sporting uh, in Portugal. Uh, but they were they were phenomenal. They 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 dominated la- most of that final. There was about a five, 10-minute period after Juventus scored where it kind of, there was a sort of an opportunity presented itself, but the window was quickly shut and Neymar sort of capped it off with a goal deep into injury time. But... I, honestly, like that season with Barcelona, I think, I think that they were because again, one also remembers not the treble winning season actually under Guardiola. I think people do remember that, but it was the season they won the Champions League at Wembley against Manchester United mm. that people also remember. 
Uh, and that was the that was the real sort of ticky tack of football Barcelona played that year. They were absolutely glorious to watch. Um, they were, I would say, they were a little bit more robust in uh, in that treble winning season the first time. But this season under Luis Enrique, it wasn't really your classic ticky tack. It was they seemed to have a, a a few more ideas than Guardiola. They, the, the ideas themselves weren't as thorough and as complete as Guardiola's idea, if you, if you see what I mean. Mm. But they were, they were just so hard to, to beat and work out. And, and, we, and, and when you have like Luis Suarez leading the line as he did, it's just, it's so difficult. The runs he makes, the, obviously the goals he scores, but, but for those front three to score that many goals, but yet be so unselfish as well, it's glorious. And, and seldom does, does, does one see such a, 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 a line, a sort of an area of the pitch where where three forward players are working together so beautifully and so harmoniously like that oh it, i mean <laughs> trying to pick out each like an individual game or something is yeah, is always impossible like there's the yeah. it, and i know what you mean it's that it's the the blend of form and function which is what made them so effective like they were great to watch but you know they would just as easily batter you 8-0 uh, as they did like at the end of the season, um, and then you know, and all they would grind out results when they needed. Like they dropped down to fourth mm. at one point, and you sort of yeah. think, with Real Madrid, <laughs> you know, keeping that pace up, and they were sort of like that free scoring uh, Madrid side as well. And you so mm-hmm. it could have easily have you know fallen away or just thought you know because there's no room for error there. That's why La Liga was at its most imperious when. Barca Real will be will be scrapping it out, and you you would have no room for error. Like you think we have to win every game now because we're not going to drop the other side aren't going to drop many points, and it's yeah. you know testament to them that against such an accomplished Madrid side they would go take them on the whole way, and then you know they mm. when they sort of get got clinched top spot in like not clinched sorry as in they moved into it in like sort of a late February early March time I think, and then just kept them at arm's length just win mm. after win it's amazing stuff. I mean we yeah. do. My one criticism uh, uh-huh. is in that Champions League final, uh, Gerard Piquet misses a chance where it would have been the most glorious assist in the history of association football from Andrew Iniesta. <laughs> when uh, I think the ball like, bounces out to him from a corner or something and um, it's dropping onto him and he just like first time, without even thinking about mm. it, like just side foot like cushions it back over the onrushing defence to Piquet who traps it down and then kind of like oh that's right center backs yeah. it and sort of smashes it over the bar and you can tell he's gutted and it is literally the most delicious pass i've ever seen <laughs> so if yeah. he tucked that in we'd i mean you'd have the whole set but we'll just you know instead we'll just get what Messi, neymar and suarez to score 122 yeah. goals between mm. them well no, let's leave it on that note so that's it we, we, they, they, they they score over 100 goals in the league um one of the best front threes of all time. They win a treble, but yet PK buggered it all up in that final. 100%. Charlie. And yeah, for that, exactly. Shearer and Sutton will be the best acronym ever. Or Roy and Collymore, on behalf of Nottingham Forest fans. <laughs> well, there we are, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening to Ramble On with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, uh, do keep uh, you know watching those footballs because they, they never get boring. We shall see you next week for another Ramble On. Cheerio. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creator Network.